Speaking of sausage, though, hello, everyone. Welcome to Tap Calf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast that is talking about the Hand of Thrawn duology instead of the Book of Boba Fett tonight. <laughs> what an astute observation from That's... young lad Corey loses over there. Yeah, well, you know me. I like to make points about things. I am mm. your host, Corey, as Eck just Dude, what so is going on with your voice? I, I don't know. I think there's something in my throat that just won't leave, but... Uh... How are, how are you doing, Eck? You're my co-host. You really just interrupted me. Can we just yeah. get through one intro, please? We'll try. So, guys, just as a brief warning before we get really into the nuts and bolts and, uh, I don't know, what else is in this book? Nuts, bolts, and... Sardonic smiles. Sc- sardonic smiles, scrungles, and uh, mouths twisting into a grin. Uh, th- there's a chance that I accidentally drop a book of Bob- Boba Fett. <laughs> book of Boba <laughs> Fett spoiler today. Um, so if you haven't seen the episode yet, just a brief warning. Um, I'm it's not what we're talking about. We're going to talk about the uh, the seventh or sixth and seventh episode, i.e., the the last episode in the finale next week. So that will be our dedicated discussion, but just in case. And if you're watching on YouTube, I also would just be extra vigilant. Yeah, so we will almost certainly drop a few, few spoilers. We're going to try not to do too much of it, but at this point, you've probably already watched it, anyways. Uh, so we've also got a few questions in emails about the episode that just aired. We will be getting to that next week as well. Mm-hmm. But before we get uh, to tonight's topic of, uh, of Spectre of the Past, which is this little book by Timothy Zahn, uh, have you, have you launched any Star Wars based word games this week, Justin? Maybe? I did. So I c- completely and just without regret stole Wordle and made a Star Wars version. So if you want to find that, you can go to starwordle.com. It's a nice mix of uh, EU and uh, canon uh, books. I think yesterday's, for example, was Kubaz, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. 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 The, the, so I have a strategy with regular Wordle where I'll just try to get through as many letters in, in the first three words as possible. But mm-hmm. Star Wars uses so many Zs, Vs, and Ks That's that why it's, it's like fun. It's, it's a complete different ball game. And, uh, That's why it's fun. I yeah, only like got she because is a I guessed one. sheet at one point. Mm-hmm. It's like, what yeah. the hell has S, H, and E? Yeah. There was also the fact that for the first three days, there was a, a little mistake where um, it wouldn't show... You know how, how... So for those who don't know, Wordle is basically this game where it there's it's a five-letter word. And you put five letters in and it tells you if the letters don't exist in the word, it'll grayed out. If they exist, but they're in a different spot. So, like, if the word is she, for example, uh, and you put the first letter in your guess as H, it'll come up as yellow because it's in the actual word, but you've got it in the wrong spot. Um, and then if it's green, you know that you've got the letter and you got the right spot. So, usually, by six guesses, it's pretty easy in regular Wordle to get it. But um, but we had a slight malfunction the first three days where it wasn't displaying all of those correctly. So, like, there were a couple words that were a little extra difficult. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. There's only one per day, so even yeah. if it starts eating your time, it's uh, it's not it's not gonna take over your life entirely. It's it's a nice forced balance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I noticed a lot of people will do it like in the morning, yeah. um, and like because I, I a lot of people will tag me like in the results or whatever, and I'll see that they've done like six different wordles, like Harry Potter wordle, regular one. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's uh, starwordle.com, S-T-A-R-W-O-R-D-L-E.com. People want to mm-hmm. check that out while listening to some to some specters of the past being talked about. 
We are we're back to Timothy's on like we spoke about in the last episode. We are doing these three or these two say, books in yeah. Survivor's Quest as we make our way to uh, episode, episode 100. 100, which will be on Vector Prime, and we get into mm-hmm. the NJO. All 19 books of those going to take throughout. We're probably going to finish by the year. end of 2024. Uh, but yeah. It will it will probably be near the end of this year by the time we're done at all. Yeah, I guess we'd be starting it in March, so that'd probably maybe even out. next year. Yeah, it might even be early, early next year. There um, might be some where we end up doing like uh, two weeks in a row of an actual novel or something, because mm-hmm. some are relatively small. Like uh, I, I can see us doing that for Michael Stackpole's. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we get started, there's something I want to talk to you about and get your take on this. Um, so this is a discussion I got in with some people online about. BBY. Did okay. you see this, this? Did you see this argument I had with somebody? I didn't. No. How long would you assume that? Like, if I said this event took place in one BBY, when would you assume it is? I would assume it happened. Uh. So, zero BBY is the year leading up to the Battle of Yavin. Mm-hmm. One BBY is a year to a year, eleven months, and. Mm-hmm. 39 or 30 days mm-hmm. or what about zero aby that is the first year after yavin right so the argument that i got in with people is they were trying to say that the battle of yavin ha- takes place they're basically saying that the distance between one aby and one bby is one year when that makes no, no sense have yeah. they are they unfamiliar with this thing we have in real life called dates well, that's exactly that's exactly what I said, and there there's one piece of evidence that they've basically used to to and it's kind of a mind fuck the more you think about it as well, um, because it like throws off the timing of like everything, um, and yeah, so it's like it was somebody somebody posted just a general reminder that the Battle of Yavin takes place in in April or March of zero bby or zero aby and i was like what the fuck are you talking about that makes no sense and they're like actually it does make sense and i was like actually no it doesn't well (laughs) year zero technically doesn't exist for real life so for real life but that's because our year zero was year one so it's kind of different there is still a like a year one point yeah um it's just like in Star Wars, because BBY originally can't, comes from before Star Wars and after Star Wars. Yeah. So it's just like the hoops these people were jumping through to, um, yeah, this was like, this was after Burio. I argued about this for like an hour on Twitter. Um, it was like, it was, I, it's just, it makes no sense. But don't the books, like, don't they do it that way? Like the... Well, the basic argument is that zero BBY and zero ABY are the same, and that they like switch over like six months, or like no. four months. So zero ABY, so zero BBY is four months long, and then ABY is is eight months long. You know what I mean? Mm, don't buy it. Yeah, no, me neither. It makes no sense. There, there's you would never ever do something like that, especially because BBY and ABY is primarily an out of universe term for dating things and the argument like one of the main arguments was that like 
but it took place halfway through this other uh, i guess but, but like but the thing is epochs don't and necessarily point. yeah exactly e- epochs wouldn't be based on the same point so i got in this long argument about it i, I just want to take your take because yeah, yeah like for this the the dividing line for the year in the first place is the event that's being talked about mm-hmm. like it's not like in real life so that was an example i shouldn't have used where uh ce and bc are they're, they're not using the event that they're theoretically based on as the dividing line mm-hmm. yeah it was it was it was a spirited spirited debate um but what was i gonna say um and so i i think i found some pretty clever proof as well because i found a few a few dates that were because you can like a lot of um a lot some of like the early stuff has dates both in bby and in like other calendar systems so i found a date that was nine months or 10 months after actually might have even been 11 months after the battle of yavin um so in their argument it should have flipped over to one aby but was still zero aby does that make sense yeah so how did how does this work if we just translate all dates to being in relation to the great resynchronization because then we know if there's that extra year in that yeah so it it's not really you can't really tell because you don't usually get months and i think purposefully most of the months are kind of it's it's weird because they work with that cutoff point so but yeah yeah it's it's very it's very it's a very it was like a mind bender and like i was going to sleep like trying to trying to like work out like somebody like six six months older younger like it was weird but yeah just wanted to bring that up before we get into the book yeah so there is the possibility that star wars is inconsistent in some ways which i think i think that we all need to take a good hard look and accept that this could sometimes happen yeah i don't know if i believe that no you're right that that's stupid uh anyways specter of the past I was kind of dreading this because for some reason I remembered them being a kind of a slog. And I, I think we talked about it last week uh, with the ComK and ComJ stuff. And that's mostly mm-hmm. to come in Vision of the Future. But I really loved this pretty much the entire way through. So mm-hmm. uh, I did go and look at my copy of Vision of the Future to see just how long it was afterwards. And it is 700 pages. So. Oof, really? Uh, Shit. Yeah. So it's Yikes. it's quite a hefty hefty one there. How long is this audiobook? Fucking Jesus. They should have made this into three books. Well, they already had a Thrawn trilogy, so they had to just pop it together. Cuz what? Oh, it's yes. 700 and 400 pages. So for some reason I had thought Spectre was 300 pages last week. 26 hour audiobook, bruh. Well, what are you what are you going to do? You got to read it. You signed up. Struggle. Only other struggle, I guess. Look, it's better that this is 700 pages and it's not like uh, the Crystal Star was 700 pages or something. Yeah, and I've got two weeks to read it. Yeah. Like, we know going in, it's 700 pages. There's, that's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. We go through, we turn to page 376. He looked back at Entuni. We're going to stay and fight. That's all there is to it. (laughs) We're going to stay and fight, much like Entuni and whoever Entuni was talking to. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so let's talk about this book. So you liked it. I liked it as well. Um, for me, the, what I kept thinking while I was reading this is like, this was written how the uh, Thrawn um, Ascendancy book should have been written. Okay. Um, where, if you think about it, honestly, there's not a lot that's ha that happens in a way, but yep. it never feels boring. And one example that I thought of that, like, this book handles so much better, and we'll get to the general premise and stuff in a second, but, like, one thing this book handles so much better is that scene where they come out of, you know, when they, they're, they're, the Star Destroyer is traveling to Bothawi, and it's cloaked and stuff, and they're releasing yep. their, so basically, I kept thinking while reading that scene, if this were in a Thrawn Ascendancy book, this would have been two chapters. Like. Yep. Like about the that would have been half of, getting, the, reading. half of the book instead of actually when they're yeah so it covers a lot of ground while still like there's big scenes where there's not a lot of action happening but it never gets really super boring and that I thought was contrasted with the Throne Ascendancy books which are kind of similar in a way that there's a lot of scheming and like a lot of um, just kind of talking. But I thought those kind of got weighed down sometimes. So I thought that was kind of an interesting comparison there. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, it, it does do a lot more actually just having the characters do things rather than having the characters explain for two pages mm -hmm. what's been done elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So I, I can definitely see that. Uh, Let's I talk about the actual... Sorry, go ahead. I Continue. I do think Vision of the Future goes a bit more in the opposite direction, though. Mm -hmm. If I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, there's like a lot. There's quite a bit more action in that book. From well, I, I mean, well. Uh, I mean more in the. Uh, there's a few more instances of characters just explaining things after the fact, or giving a history lesson. Like I think that happens a bit with the Devists. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it happens a fair bit with like uh, everyone's plots becoming unraveled, like the Empire of the Hand stuff is entirely just Stent and Park and Fell standing mm -hmm. there just monologuing individually, mm -hmm. trialoguing at Mara for a few hours, but yeah, travel yeah. vlogging. Fair enough. Um yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. Let's let's talk about this uh let's talk about this book though. So the general premise is that we are On what this night podcast? Sorry, did I say podcast? I meant to say the book. No, you said um, let's talk about this book, but I just I've never heard of this podcast. On this actually podcast, talking oh about yeah, the book. I know. Well, I, I want to talk about this one. So we're okay. what uh, nineteen nineteen ABY, I believe. Nineteen years after uh, the battle. Well, of the no, Island, hold or on, hold and on, a half, hold on. Perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. Let's let's try to be precise here. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, <laughs> only Star Wars fans could take something that's so clearly like plain english one way anyway i don't want to get mad about this so 19 years after the battle of yavin the uh, the new republic is in a relative state of peace and dominance the empire which we actually get hard numbers about is down to i think a thousand systems they said a few hundred star destroyers their mighty empire has crumbled um unfortunately the new republic is already kind of dealing with some testy citizens they're kind of realizing that the galaxy is a bit hard to manage when you're not the Empire with the Star Destroyer over every world. Um, and the big kind of flashpoint for the events in this these two books are the discovery of the fact that the Bothans were involved in this uh, tragedy known as the 
bombing of Kamas, um, or the destruction of Kamas. The planet isn't actually destroyed like with a Death Star, but what happened is the Kamasi were this very peaceful species that pretty much everyone was chill with, everyone loved them, and Bothan spies um, infiltrated the planet, lowered the planetary shield from inside, and the planet was destroyed ruthlessly by the Empire shortly after the Clone Wars. Um, no one knew who was involved until it's discovered in this book that it's Bothans, and that kind of sets off a bunch of proxy wars and a bunch of conflicts where certain species want to help the Bothans, or not help the Bothans, but certain species want to kind of live and let live. Others want the Bothans to pay, either with money or with blood, for what happened. And making matters more difficult is the fact that no one knows exactly who was involved or which houses were involved. Um, so... The New Republic is looking for the Kaamas document, which they imagine will kind of have all the details. And while this is happening, the Empire, uh, as led by uh, Galad Pelion, is considering surrender. And uh, Pelion actually wants to negotiate a peace treaty with Garambel Iblis. But there is also a, uh, a Moff known as Moff Disra, who fully opposes surrender. And he is working with an impersonator known as Flim. And also one of the Emperor's uh, former royal guards, known as... What's his name again? Uh, Grodin Tears. Grodin Tears. Uh, and they've basically enacted a con where they will... They have the impersonator, Flim pretending to be Grand Admiral Thrawn. Because the Empire's big thing right now is they've got no one to go behind. Pelion doesn't have the heart, basically, to... Uh, and I think he's probably right, to lead the Empire and some great war against the Empire. There are some who who believe the New Republic's going to just collapse on its own just th under the sheer weight of all the conflict right now. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the main setup. Yeah, and uh, the New Republic is kind of set up as having really pulled away from direct governance of a lot of the world. It's almost just largely a defense mm -hmm. pact at this point. Uh, yeah. They they do highlight the Almania crisis uh, with Kuehler from New Rebellion, uh, yeah. Queller from New Rebellion as being Blackfleet a crisis big... gets a bit of a nod to at one point. Yeah, so there so Zan brings up all these other events, which is really very unlike him in a lot of other mm -hmm. situations. I kept to, thinking that too to reference other books in this way, but we do get some background on Callista uh, gets a drop. Yeah, context on how the New Republic has kind of been accused of overstepping so much. And kind of gone too far in the other direction as a result, where uh, they'll maybe intervene if there is something related to uh, mutual defense. But mm -hmm. there are all these planets that are ready to get into armed conflict with each other because they think the New Republic isn't going to step in anymore. So there mm -hmm. is some validity as they're going through the early parts of this to some of the Imperials' views that maybe the New Republic is just going to completely implode. Uh, mm -hmm. But Pelion is ultimately saying, like, even if that happens, uh, he kind of know. softens on this later on in the book, I think. But his argument with the Moth is like, even if that happens, they'd still have the weight to roll over and crush us while they're killing each other. Yeah. And we're better off being at peace now. We can pick up the pieces later if we if we so choose or if we're still alive. But if we just go and get ourselves killed trying to do an offensive right now, we're we're just... We're done. Yeah, and the, the other argument is, too, if the Empire can make peace with the New Republic, it's essentially a legitimate state, and planets and systems are free, theoretically, to join the Empire, and 
the the other argument is when people see how chaotic everything is, people are going to be flo flocking back. And yeah. he's probably not wrong. I believe that's something we see. It's like, I, I think that's kind of a dynamic that they talk about later on and maybe like the fate of the Jedi series, but. Well, ultimately it is kind of what happens, isn't it? Like the empire mm -hmm. ends up back in charge. The galactic Alliance gets really shrunk and I mean, they're part of it initially, but the new Republic falls apart like twice and keeps going, yeah. and becoming the galactic Alliance in exile at least twice. But yeah, because the new Republic's huge at this point. It's, they make it sound like it's, it's nearly Republic sized. Um, and Zod actually gives a lot of hard numbers in this book, which is kind of surprising. Um, he They're says, much bigger numbers than he'd usually give for other Yeah, situations. I think it's like the the one case where it actually feels like the numbers are kind of correct. They, they use the old 25,000 Star Destroyer number. The Empire still has, is it a thousand systems? The New Republic has a thousand senators. Each senator, I think they say, basically responsible for 100 to 250 systems, so... We're getting a real sense of scale here. Yeah. Um, which is kind of funny in, in a in a book which has all the same people running into each other. Book of Boba yeah. Fett style, but... <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, you have even Shada, who's not even really part of one of their main groups, going from Card's associate around in the New Republic into, uh, into <laughs> working for Card. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Uh, one thing, so one thing I really liked about this book that I think other authors wouldn't have had the gall to do, and it would have been worse for the book overall, is the fact that they never act like Thrawn is actually back immediately. Yeah. When Thrawn returns, so it's um, we basically see Thrawn's return through the eyes of uh, of Tears, and it's immediately revealed that it's a uh, that it's it's an imposter. Yeah. And there are other books which would have, I think, really dragged that on. And readers would have been excited, and I think it would have been a real letdown. But it's literally like the next paragraph in this book, um, which I really appreciated. There's there's almost a bit of a takedown of Thrawn in this. Not not of Thrawn as he was in the Thrawn trilogy, but like kind of the mythology that gets built around him in other, uh, in other media after the fact. Like how he gets kind of treated or elevated almost this deity status and it seems like Zan is kind of playing off that uh I mean, he would he was really damn good but even in the Thrawn trilogy it was kind of implied that all the grand admirals were meant to be uh on that similar level until they kind of got fleshed out more on their own and it was like Thrawn was still just that cut above but mm -hmm. throughout this there's this reputation that Thrawn has built up that's almost more dangerous than Thrawn himself is Mm -hmm. Where just the idea that he could be around just really, it brings together a lot of the Empire. It starts splitting more of the Republic apart. And just like the, the, the thought that he might be here or could be out there. And they, mm -hmm. they even do that with uh, the idea that maybe a, a clone survived later on. But mm -hmm. the idea that he could be out there was like hugely terrifying to everyone and enough on its own to start splitting people up. It's one of my favorite parts. It's like he's done nothing. He's dead. He's dead yeah. the entire time. And it's like he just like the rumor is like nearly causing a civil war, which yeah. it, it is very much like the original Thrawn trilogy in a way where like he would play into kind of people's insecurities yeah. or like natural fault lines in a way and like really exacerbate them. Um, 
So I thought that was that was kind of interesting. And Leia even mentions at one point, like, like Thrawn has made allies natural enemies, which is like exactly what he would do if he were actually yeah. alive. Um, like a, a big part of the the point of the books is just how much everyone is willing to do this to themselves to incite their own divisions and then blame it on someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Like uh, they, there's a lot of emphasis put in this book on uh, the Sajansage protesters of like, yeah, a lot of these people are being unreasonable about this, but like if you and the new Republic leadership start blaming all of this on mm-hmm. uh, outside incitement, then you're doing it a service to, any attempts you're going to make to actually solve the issue, which mm-hmm. I do think it, it is kind of a cheap way to the fact that there is this list of all the people who are actually responsible that they get and that solves the crisis. It does kind of undercut the idea that this is a thing they need to get around to solve. Uh, and maybe it'll be highlighted more in that way in vision of the future when we get there. But uh, like doing all this to, to have the one side that's saying, well, if we, we need to hold all the Bothans accountable or uh, we mm-hmm. can't hold the ones that are actually accountable accountable. Do we blame all the Bothans for this thing that they are not perpetuating or have nothing to do with? There's the third side of by protecting the information that there were Bothans involved, the current Bothan leadership has made themselves party to that original mm-hmm. crime in the first place. So the fact that it's not really resolved on those lines, it's instead well, we just found the list in the library in the outer rim or unknown regions to to know exactly who did it, and then everyone can move on. Like I, I feel like that kind of cheapens the impact of what is trying to be set up here a bit. Yeah, I I think that the the whole Kamos document and even the like event itself is probably the weakest part of the series. Um, like I think just logically, I'm not sure if it makes sense, and like I get that at one point it's being used as like kind of just a, a proxy. Like a lot of people just want to fight and yeah. that's kind of like, a, like, like people just want to have it out and are looking for an excuse. But like, I, I think it's, it is an issue that there's no, there's never an indication that the Bothan government um, sponsored these Bothans or that it was a Bothan mission to help the empire. It's, it, it comes off to me more like it's rogue Bothans. Um, and like, I just don't, like if it were Corellians, for example, I don't think it would be the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, like for me, that's just a weak point. Like, I, I don't know if that's. I, I think there are more interesting things you could have done. Like, I, I think had it been the fact that like the Bothan like government was cooperating with the Empire, like that would have been a bit more compelling. Um, now, obviously, Bothan society is not directly comparable to like a human society because Bothans are very like heavily clan based um and you know just generally are, are very they're just bothan like so they're they're easy to hate already but um i did think that was one weakness like like at the end uh one thing that happens is there's this big riot um and there's one basically one faction ends up destroying a bothan space station to to take basically an eye for an eye um, and like, if you compare that to the, the, the initial kind of lowering the shields, like you can see how different that is where it's one government and it's military killing civilians versus essentially rogue actors who happen to be Bothans taking yeah. down the shield generator. 
I think the the one thing that does kind of address that is the fact that the Bothan clan leadership after the fact, well, it did prompt them to join the rebellion and mm-hmm. really do a lot of good to help the galaxy that way. They did cover up mm-hmm. and withhold the involvement of Bob. Like they had information about this, yeah. uh, this calamity that they intentionally withheld. Like if they had come clean when they joined the rebellion, not even come clean because it wasn't them, but like if they had said at when they joined the rebellion, we have this information on uh, Bothans having been involved in Kamas. That's a good point. And we're also here now to go and die and steal some Death Star 2 plans. Like mm-hmm. I think ultimately no one probably would have held like had that point. as the same excuse to hold them, hold them accountable, even though it is largely just like a reason to start shooting each other. But mm-hmm. did you catch the makeup of the Diamolin defense fleet? Um, Before we get too far away from the devolution of New Republic The one powers. they send to Bothawi? Well, they're, yeah. Don't they, nebulas and endurances, don't yeah. they say? So <laughs> yeah. the New Republic military, they, the, in Legends, much like canon, the New Republic does kind of wind mm-hmm. down their military. It's something we saw in a lot of these later But these books, are big like boys they're sending. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I guess some of these ships that were like made directly for the New Republic Defense Force have been sold off to to mm-hmm. local governments. So like the best ships in the galaxy are now held by yeah. the yeah, and the, and the Mon Cal's are sending like their full cruisers and stuff. Yeah. I I really like the I, I think it, that's probably the most interesting part of these books to me is like how Bothwe becomes. You see it a lot more in the next book, but basically it just becomes like this this flashpoint mm-hmm. and like fa- like like d- dozens or hundreds of worlds are sending you know in one case you know one or two ships either pro or against Bothwe because it's it's also like a symbolic thing and then others like the Mon Calamari are sending you know gigantic fleets and yeah. it's all it's like a tinderbox and we see some of that next book too where it's like an accident could basically set off full civil war and I think yeah. that's a pretty cool idea and the irony of it all kind of is like the empire probably could have gotten by by not interfering at all and it probably could have escalated more mm-hmm. but the fact that those star destroyers are there they're going to get revealed later on uh this is mm-hmm. probably jumping ahead too much but like the thing that stops them from killing each other is that they find out there are three two or three star destroyers just sitting there the entire time that they can now shoot at instead mm-hmm. yeah yeah and Although I guess to be fair, without that kind of faction on the Empire, Pelion quite smartly wanted to use the document as uh, basically bartering tool. Yeah. Um, to to gain them kind of political power. Yeah. So. And Dizra has uh, has sent Tirsin to modify the document. So right mm-hmm. now it's probably just a list of Borsfelia's name nineteen times. <laughs> but that yeah, all the Bothan clan leaders. <laughs> yeah. So. If they did manage to get that document uh, as it is right now, not going to be super helpful for them. Uh, but because Pelion is still looking for it, he has become aware of some potential meddling by the very end of the book. Well, yeah, kind of throughout. Yeah, yeah, like he's, he suspects he's not a big fan of Dizra at all, uh, no. much like Murphy isn't. But uh, Dizra is modifying those files. There's two copies that the Empire would have. There's the copy of the files at the Ubiquitrate base at Bastion, which is the Imperial capital now. Then there's mm-hmm. also the ones at Yaga Minor, which is the last remaining major shipyard that they have. 
Uh, and Pelly Wheeler and there may also be one with uh, George Cardas as well. Yeah. Uh, I, does he actually have it, though? Uh, I don't think so. Because I, I don't copies? I think they end up finding a couple of copies. Don't they find one in the Ubiquitra base and then they also find one in the hand of Thrawn? Uh yeah. I think they find I think they it come in like with three, don't they? Because I think Cardas yeah. might have one as well. Yeah, he might. Park gives uh the Luke and Mara the other one, and then Beliblis does steals it, basically. He tries the... to steal it, but Pallion comes and like interrupts the battle. Oh uh, like, yeah, bro! I've been trying to call you for for weeks now. Yeah, one of my notes is just send someone else? Question mark. LOL. Like yeah. So, as we mentioned at the beginning of the book, basically the empire is. I like how the book begins. The empire is is in shambles. It's like Charlie after Birio. Um, <laughs> they're trying all these tactics, like switching up thumbnails on videos and um, making a <laughs> uh, making an automated kind of computers they're basically trying to beat cloaking with ai or they're trying to aim their cloaked ships with uh computer systems and it doesn't work so the whole time he's trying to call uh, bell iblis because he's like bell is kind of cool i'd i'd rather um make peace with him as the representative and the person he sends is intercepted by this rogue element of the uh the empire serving under who they believe is uh is thrawn and he just he he kind of realizes that the guy's probably been lost, and he doesn't send anybody else. He's yeah, well, like, he well, thinks the New Republic has captured him. I think uh, he's and, like fifty fifty. But yeah. and rather than go through any other kind of official channel, he's just like, well, if my CR ninety didn't make it through, we're just yeah. kind of done. Or like even just put out on the hollow net, like we want to talk, like like text me please. <laughs> <laughs> just texting like uh, texting Leia, you up question mark. It's the Bernie meme. I'm once again asking for you to respond to my messages. Yeah. So the Leia thing is weird. Like, I'm pretty sure that this book was written, like, without any reference to Leia ever being chief of state. Because the way she's handled, it's not like she was a chief of state. And then maybe it was, like, an edit put in at some point. Um, that, yeah, like, she's she's on sabbatical, basically. Um, cause she's like referred to as high counselor Leia. Um, Gaverson's always kind of referred to as, as a uh, chancellor. I don't think, the, or uh, chief of state. I don't think there's really any discussion of her going back into power. I don't think like she's afforded kind of the respect usually that you would expect her to, um, be afforded. Yeah. Like Gaverson ends up getting annoyed at her and being okay with sending her and Han after Han gets accused of like shooting into the protesters. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it does seem more like she's just part of the, uh, part of like the the cabinet rather than being mm-hmm. in yeah. her like rather than uh, Gavrisum being kind of just holding the office for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will say generally though, I was pretty, I, I guess surprised at how much because it had been a while since I've read this book, and I was I was definitely surprised about how much kind of non-Zon things were included in this book. Yeah. Corrin um, and Horn, I was very pleasantly surprised. I mean, obviously in hindsight, because Booster's in it. But Corrin Horn is in there. Rogue Squadron generally is in there. Corrin um, is very moody in this book. He loses mm-hmm. a lot of the character development. <laughs> and they have, a, they have a kid as well. Um, I think this is the first time 
Valen is introduced, but I could is it just Valen or is uh, is Jizzhorn there as well? I don't think Jizzhorn is there. I think it's just Valen. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, I was I was pleasantly surprised, and there there are lots of references. We get the Teljakon Vagabond mentioned. Yeah. By name. Well, um, we we get it mentioned as something that was really fucking dumb. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think it actually means something? Is it like that stupid ship Lando was hunting? <laughs> that waste of a book. I mean, the waste of Lando's time. I mean... <laughs> and then it just says, fuck Kevin J. Anderson after that for some reason? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which was... Uh, yeah, that, that was a weird chapter. Um, <laughs> just all of I, Zan's inner anger coming out at once. I do like how he, he does go in and fix things that he clearly doesn't like. Like... Talon card unretiring. Yeah. Like, Talon card retired, like, in... I don't know. I, f- I forget which book it is, but... It, it was but the Corellian trilogy where, like, Mara's in charge now, and she's acting like a pirate. But, I mean, so. even other times, like, it talks about her, like, basically uh, kind of assuming the role, and he's kind of, like, working his way out, which, to me, always felt a bit weird, because he's not very old. Like, no, he's... He's like probably at at 50? this point he's probably yeah in his fifties I would guess um, because he's he's described as being young in the Thrawn trilogy I'm pretty sure yeah um, and this is ten years after that as we're frequently reminded like he seems like he's in a similar age group as the main protagonist basically yeah like, like a more on the Han side and Lando rather than Luke and Leia yes. who are a considerable bit younger but. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I was really glad that I mean I remember that happening, but I never liked the idea of him kind of just like immediately backing out and being like, yeah. "Nah." He just seems like he'd get bored. Like, oh, it... totally. Yeah. What's he gonna do? Flirt with people's wives twenty four seven? I don't know. <laughs> Lando or card? <laughs> yeah, both. Yeah. Well, speaking of wives, Tendra does not come up at all. No, at she least doesn't. not in here. I don't know if she gets mentioned in Vision of the Future, but no, I, I was trying to think of other things like that. I was the only other one that I was waiting for reference to is 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 uh, Quarrel or Oral, sorry, Quarrel. Mm-hmm. What's his first name again? Oral Quirk. Yeah, Quirk, right? Because they've got lots of Krieg? uh, lots of sections where they talk to other Rogue Squadron members, and they don't usually say them by name except for Corin, uh, which. I was I was it's kind of interesting though because um I was listening to the audiobook version of this and the narrator was doing the same voice he would do for like like other the other pilots so you could kind of like I I only checked a couple of them but you could tell that at least it was intended yeah. by by the narrator to be the same character which I thought was cool. Um And you have Noara as like working for Oh yeah, Noara's in there, yeah. Yeah. Because Noora kind of goes through a few different uh, mm-hmm. career paths. Because he is it his his leg that he loses. Yeah, he, his leg. And so yeah, he ends up working for Booster, and then he becomes a public defender by like, yeah, he's, Luke, Force, so. he's Luke's lawyer at some point. <laughs> yeah, which is fun. <laughs> I um, mean, if you were able to legally defend Booster Tarek, then yeah, true, true. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? But yeah, Dizra's guess... attempt to attack to scare off Pelion and convince him that Bell Iblis was attacking him was so really, really see through. 
Like, yeah. oh, let's let's give our, our ships a giant Corellian flag, because that's a thing the New Republic Defense Force does. Yeah, like, they would have been better off just keeping it quiet and, like, implying somehow, other than, like... So the basic idea is they want... They, they want Pelion to think that the New Republic has rejected the peace talks, but they want to make it seem like they're trying to do it on the down low, or not rejected it. They're trying to make it seem like Pelion has been betrayed, basically. Yeah. So he has, they have Corellian ships. So it's supposed to be like the New Republic is trying to do this on the down low. But like, for one, if, if you're going to knock them out anyway, you might as well send your big heavies to do it. Although, I guess the idea is that it's just like Bell Iblis took into his own hands. Yeah. But like, that's not very Bell Iblis-like. They talk in this book about how Bell Iblis is a pretty proud man. And I th I think I agree with that. Um, yeah. He's very, he is very, like, he's too prideful sometimes. Like, that's kind of what we see in mm -hmm. uh, the trilogy where he's like, Coruscant's getting fucked by meteors and stuff. And he's just like, someone's like, will someone competent please take over this defense? And he's like, only if Mon Mothma asks. <laughs> yeah, but like, I think that kind of highlights one of the things that Dizra and Flame and Tears are lacking is that, like, this understanding that not everyone else is quite as shitty as them. Yeah. And that just forms a blind spot in how Pelion's going to act and how Garn Iblis would act and how Garn Iblis and Pelion would expect each other to act that mm -hmm. just kind of undermines a lot of what they're doing. Like, yep. yeah, the the aura of Thrawn and Flim does a really good job of being Thrawn mm -hmm. uh, is enough to kind of uh, mist a lot of the people. I don't know if that's just a big brother term. It might not be, but uh, mist a... All the Imperial officers. And speaking of Big Brother in Star Wars, do you know who Doctor Will is? This is not really Big Brother. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's yeah. in Book of Boba Fett. Oh, really? Who is he? He's with. Uh, I think he's in one of the scenes with the uh, with the the Twilight who owns the establishment. Who I can't use the most describable part of the hot, of the hot Twilight. Well, I was going to say the ex the exploded Twilight. But, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't just say hot, but yeah, you can do you. Yeah, he's, he he's blew in one up of those as well. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, oh, Max Rebo? He is, he's not Max Rebo. Okay, we're, okay, spoilers. We I mean, we already spoiled. You know, so thank God Max wasn't there that day of the explosion. Yeah, that'd be a problem. Yeah. That would that would have been a. Can a, you imagine like Max Rebo is like walking up, getting ready to go to work, and then he sees yet another place of employment. <laughs> Although to be fair, he was on the uh, he was on Jabba's sail barge. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's yeah. he's had enough close calls. But anyways, he's like, back nope. to he sees a guy walking in with a canister. He's like, nope, not again. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put up the picture of Doctor Will in it, and if you want to take a look at that, we should get back to. Uh, Get back to the book yeah. before we get more angry Reddit comments about how we, we don't talk about the book anymore. Uh, but yeah, Flim does a good job, convinces people, good on his feet, but he's, uh, yeah, there's Dr. Will. But it's, Where'd you put it? in, it's just in on the on the screen in a second if you have the screen oh, open. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah, continue. But, uh, but yeah, it... There, I guess the real test is whether Lando's going to buy it or people who have actually met Thrawn are going to buy it. And mm -hmm. uh, Lando buys it. The uh, Captain Dorja buys it. So. Yeah. 
I, do, I wonder if they ever considered like the empire is really racist like if we just paint this guy's face blue like it's probably gonna be fine <laughs> yeah once they've done all the what one of the things that was kind of sticking out to me is if they're doing this by swapping Flim's dna in for the thrawn dna samples mm-hmm. wouldn't people notice he's not supposed to be human i mean they probably just did like a I think they're assuming that the guy just is like a a one one on one like a just to check for a match, but yeah, that's I guess that is a a weak spot there. Like if, it, guess, if they're looking it up and they're like, oh, Thrawn was a ferret suddenly, that's gonna set off some alarm bells. Well, yeah, maybe they just like took just like is this the same DNA? Yes, no. I, I that's kind of what I imagine it it did. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, that is definitely... It just spits yeah. out the binary match rather than mm-hmm. the full genetic profile. No one's going to think. Yeah. But like, yeah, if the reason you're Admiral checking... Grand Admiral Thrawn was a white man. <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if the reason you're checking is because you suspect foul play, like you you think you're going to look for that. Well, yeah. I, that's, that's a good point. I guess people believe what they want to believe, I guess. Yeah. Because they definitely did want to believe it was Thrawn, and to him, taking the blood was probably, you know, going above and beyond already, but, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, we are we are getting some, some instances of, uh, particularly Luke and Mara, or Luke and Card, getting buzzed by... Luke, Mara, and Card, getting mm-hmm. buzzed by the, uh, the Clawcraft, trying mm-hmm. to get in contact or scout out the situation of the galaxy... Uh, which we're going to learn more about Thrawn's hidden faction there. And uh, it, it does seem to set up a bit of a contrast with how they how they talk about Thrawn early on in some of this, about how Thrawn would do whatever he did for the Empire, mm-hmm. uh, which like it, it seems like that would have been the case with original Thrawn as presented. But yeah. Thrawn kind of gets developed into having other reasons for what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's I, I think they kinda of mentioned this later. It's like there's no there's no certainty with this new kind of Thrawn uh that he would have returned to the Empire. Yeah. Because and in fact he, he probably wouldn't have if if the galaxy well maybe, but if the galaxy was under control, um or if if they could kind of make things chill out a bit, the New Republic is certainly in a stronger spot militarily, but you know, Thrawn probably would also rather be in a more authoritarian government based on kind of what he values. Yeah. Security he, and... The whole Thrawn only actually cared about stopping the Vong and other threats like that, Retcon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it works very well with his characterization in the Heir to the, Heir to the Empire stuff. No, or in the Thrawn trilogy stuff. Especially with how okay he is with like fucking over the Nogri and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, but if we just kind of take it as presented in the Hand of Thrawn duology, like... Even though the New Republic is really not doing well staying together, it's kind of too late to, or, yeah, too late to, or too close to the invasion that he's kind of worried about to start a whole new galactic war and rebuild the Empire from nothing. It just, it wouldn't be feasible. So he'd probably be more on board with trying to uh, at least get everyone ready. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Um, Although, you know, maybe with the... Yeah. No, you're, you're right. I He might have tried to do something with, like, the Hand of Thrawn itself and, like, combine that with the Empire and then work with the New Republic. But, yeah. 
we'll we'll th we'll definitely have more kind of to talk about with that in the next book. Uh, there are there were definitely a few cases though where I feel like there were obvious options like ways out that weren't taken that I found a little frustrating. The one was as I mentioned, I do feel like Pelion could have done more for diplomacy. I also think the New Republic could have probably done more to um, lessen kind of the breakdown in just civil society. So, like, the big thing is it seems like one option that may be kind of widely accepted would be for the Bothans to basically sponsor the discovery of a new uh, homeworld for the Kamos, the remaining survivors, because there are some left, including... Um, Oh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, uh, Elagos Aklaw? Yeah, yeah, Elagos Aklaw, who I think we'll meet next book. But, um, yeah, that to me was like a situation where, like, just take a Raid Shadow Legends sponsorship and, like, have Kamos 2 sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends or Audible or something. Or, well, or the problem is they wanted to take the Raid Shadow Legends sponsorship, but unfortunately they clicked one of the Discord links and got their NFTs stolen, so... Right now, they're trying to claim they still have those NFTs, even though uh, even though that's all in someone else's open sea wallet. The, wall, the blockchain's the been lost. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they they they're hoping that Raid Shadow Legend sponsorship still comes through, but they need to make sure that it does before they can do anything, because you know, finding an empty planet that's expensive. That's something that we see going down a lot in the Swarm War. So, mm -hmm. but it's, okay. it's not easy. However. This would have been, I think, a good opportunity for the New Republic to say, okay, shut the fuck up. We're going to give you a loan. You need to pay us this back, but this is literally the galaxy is on the edge of toppling. So, like, let's yeah. get it done. Um, and no cooking the books on this one. Yeah, especially where, like, the books have been heavily cooked already. So it's like everyone thinks that it's financially possible, which is probably making matters worse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the New Republic should have should have sponsored that. At the like, same time, if they come out and say like we hear what you're saying, we would do this except we've committed massive tax fraud. Everyone be nice to us now. Uh that that's probably Yeah, no, you you definitely don't say that. Like you keep the Bothan financial insecurity, you know, secret. You loan the money on the down low basically. Um, so we want we want to do more things that get Han and Leia implicated in their regular illegal activities and take down uh, puffers with them. Like, yes, I don't know. This this just uh, this seems like it. You need to be you need transparency. The whole secret or the whole lesson from this is transparency, and we're just we're just not going in that direction here. I can't sign off on your continued defense of tax fraud. I, I just can't do it anymore. Sweet. Well, Leia's rich enough. Like, let's be honest. But um, one Just thing take really... New Alderaan and give it to the Kamasi instead. Yeah, exactly. Um, or what about what about Merkur? Did anyone ever go back there? Merkur kind of seems like it sucks. So I don't know. Talon Card like loved it. Yeah, because he wasn't gonna get found there because of how it sucked. Yeah, fair enough. They already gave Waylon to the to the Nogri, which like, is funny because no... the way they describe it, it's like you're. You're putting a bunch of people outside, like, the royal, um, like, I, I don't know, like, the royal museum in London or something. <laughs> it's, like, all these artifacts, like, like decades of imperialism. Yeah. It's, like, you might find a separate skull. If it's not stolen from a civilization, you can crush it. If it belongs to the Bothans, we should probably try to get that back to them. <laughs> They've got, like, a liaison there to, like, 
ensure that people get their ship back. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not great. No. And uh, people just salvage it whenever they want. Like, the Nogri just want to blow it all up. They don't want anyone mm-hmm. to take that, but... Which uh, I respect. They're just, they're just leaving all these data cards in there, too. Like, oh, you mm-hmm. can... you can, Yeah, you can come take this. Mm-hmm. What, do we, what do we need Imperial State Secrets for? Yeah. Um... One thing that was really funny about this book is, or the audiobook is, every time that, uh, what do they call them again? Puffles or? Puffers. What? Puffers? Yeah, Gavrison. Yeah, every t- every, yeah, Gavrison. Every time he talks, he like whinnies. So he's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've never, I haven't actually read this book for a while. My last two readings, including this one, have been listened. But I, I don't know if there's like any sort of, uh, any sort of, use of that in the writing but it was really funny it's just just like leia you must be careful <laughs> <laughs> i actually i like gavrisom whenever i read this more than i remember liking gavrisom yeah uh, I like and but i always just picture the hyper chicken from futurama mm. the lawyer <laughs> yeah it's hard not to especially where but, he's like using his wings to do shit what I'm sad we never got is uh, a scene between Gavrisom and Macamber Lecto from <laughs> Corellian Trilogy. I think that would have been fantastic. Yeah, that would have been... Too bad he would've... got burned after burned at the stake on Corellia last time. Way she, that's kind of just the way she goes, though, isn't yeah, it? Way the road. Way the road, yep. Um, when uh, Remember that scene where Luke's on that planet that he just randomly, like, decides to go to um and he gets confronted by like one of the new republics it, it, they're basically just like observers it just for That's some reason i just me. i just had this like vision of like a famous person being basically cornered in the bathroom to be pitched something <laughs> like <laughs> the guy's like following luke he's not saying anything other than he just like kind of pounces on him and starts talking to him. And all i could think about is like someone just coming up to somebody else in the bathroom and just bothering them <laughs> yeah like, I I did like that scene because it did involve a lot of that. Like, hey, don't just jump to the whole imperial conclusion here. Mm-hmm. But we are about to start getting into the uh, the weird kind of imperial apologist thing. And chief in line for or first in line for rehabilitation is Pelion himself, who like mm-hmm. in this is portrayed as being like a reasonable person, yeah. but still very imperial. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Because, like, there's a lot of... But do we have to deal with the fucking gross-ass aliens? And Pelion's being like, yes, I do agree the aliens are shit. But we're going to They lose. are objectively worse based on their race, yeah. Yeah, like, Pelion, he starts off... Or not starts off, like, from here and into even the start of the uh, the NJO and his appearances there. It's, like, it's very clear that he's being practical. He's being reasonable in a way that, like, someone like Dizra isn't. But he still has a lot of those same problems that the rebellion was fighting against. Whereas, mm-hmm. like the later you go on, the more it gets kind of swept under the rug. That like, no, Pelion actually does very strongly believe a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. He's not just some dude who likes order. He's some dude who likes order and, and is kind of racist. Yeah, order and gardening. It's kind of his his two big things. Like his his first. Uh, his first introduction, I think, involves just thinking about how scary and gross Rook is. Yeah, yeah, he's like fucking aliens, dude. <laughs> Bullshit. 
on the other yeah. hand uh you do love to see the uh the no greed they get so much love in these books it's yeah. like one tries to stop a suicide for no reason other than like he's a good dude um yeah i i, I love the no greed and then yeah i think is it cabarash who gets killed by the vong later i uh, both of these are dead by mid vong war at least yeah. Because it's uh, Kak, Maven, and Miwal by the end of the Vong War, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. And then they're they're in there for a while. I, th- I think they're in there kind of continuously. Yeah. I think Miwal, it, I think it's originally Kabarak and... Or in, originally in the Vong War, it's mm-hmm. Kabarak and Miwal, and then Kabarak gets replaced by Kak, Maven. But okay. there's, a, there's, a whole, there's a whole progression of like five or six Nogri guards with increasingly easier to pronounce names, thankfully. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Nogri, you, this is another book where the kids are just—they they exist, but I mean, yeah. only theoretically. <laughs> They're I mean, Zan introduced or... them, so I think he just doesn't want to have to deal with Anakin or something. Yeah, he's like oh, Anakin, Dark Dark Empire kid. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my face! Get out of my face! No. Well, he... Anakin got removed later, so yeah. Um, okay. One thing that I thought was weird about this book was how people react to Luke. Well, and Luke, how people react to Mara being missing. Um, Luke is basically convinced to go rescue Mara, and Han and yeah. Leia are at first angry that he does so. Where like, I don't know. That's not very heroic, is it? Especially Mara has saved Luke's life earlier in the book. Yeah. Um, Mara has saved people's lives. Mara saved Leia on one occasion um, during the attack on the palace and the Thrawn trilogy. That, that to me is just like, that didn't feel right. Yeah, he's not even like warning Card about it. Card is telling him about it and looks like, okay, I guess I'll go. Oh, by the way, I had a vision of her. She looked dead. That doesn't suck, does it? It's like, come on. Especially yeah. when there's already... Uh, so much talk with the other characters about like whatever tension or whatever between them yeah uh or it, it makes it seem like they have more of a recent history and uh like some unresolved stuff to deal with mm-hmm. and it, it, yeah it just felt weird that uh that luke, that luke like you think luke would be clamoring to go basically yeah like i thought he would be jumping at that first yeah. before even sejansage but yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, if he thinks that's the one place that he knows he needs to go, maybe that's how he can help prevent the other stuff. I'm on board with that. But then he ends up in the conversation with Card, and Card's like, I'll be your best friend. Like, just do it, dude. Like, don't be yeah. a dick. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean you're not going to do it? Like, just go. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to get there fastest. You're the most capable of getting her out. Mm-hmm. Unless it like maybe it's something of like oh well I if I go then that's going to be the vision the thing that makes the vision happen, but he doesn't say that so I, I'm not going to give him credit for that. And it's like not even really a comparable situation to like in this it's like everything is leading him there. Like the issue in Cloud City is he's like going out of his way to to uh, to go to Cloud City. And this it's like that seems to be where fate's leading him, and he's just like nah, dude, I'm good. We'll probably have some stuff to talk about with that next week with uh, Book of Boba Fett and some parallels mm-hmm. here and there. But yes, because one of the things that everyone's getting on his case about in 
this book and even a bit in prior stuff is that Luke is very gung ho with his force use. And he kind of he kind of fucks everything he chooses to do up in this one mm-hmm. where he goes to the Cavalu pirate base and everyone who hears that he's doing is this is like, what the fuck are you doing this for, you idiot? Mm-hmm. And he has to go get rescued by Mara. And so now he's trying to cut back, which maybe that's the other reason he wants to not go get Mara because he he's afraid mm-hmm. of uh, having to use his powers for that kind of thing. But it's yeah. I got to admit, I I was a bit more I like I thought that he lost more of his powers than this. Like I thought he struggled more. Like in my mind before I read this, I was kind of expecting him to have like a Spider-Man 2 type of thing where like he completely loses his powers until he like is that Spider-Man 2? I think so. Uh, which Spider-Man 2? The original Spider-Man 2? Yeah, where you know where like he loses his yeah. powers until he like figures out like he basically has to figure his shit out. Yeah. Because he's having like this internal conflict. I thought he was going to do something like that, but it's not nearly to that extent. He's just like, he's more worried than anything else. Yeah. Is there a book where like that happens or am I, I misremembering? I think, I think there is, but I don't remember what it is. And I don't know if it's actually Luke. Yeah, maybe not. Hmm. I mean, we, know, we know Corrin can't get it up when it comes to uh, telekinesis. Was it one of the kids? Hmm. it's ben is it ben okay like ben withdraws from the force yeah after the vong war yeah that's different though i but thought I, yeah was, there's something i else thought there was a situation where luke like it just it ain't working for him and he couldn't figure out why but i can't yeah. can't think of it other than salamiri yeah yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't it i don't know why yeah you're, you're right but yeah there's something like that so i was definitely mixing something up like, I'm trying to think if it happens later on, maybe. But, I don't know, I guess we'll... If it does, I guess we'll find it when we get there. Ch- chat, if you have any recollection of what we're talking about, I'd be curious to hear if you can figure out the the situation we're referring to. Yeah. Uh, but is there anything else we want to cover for this without going too far into Vision of the Future? I think we touched on most of the major plots and uh, points of what's going on so far. Oh, this was the first uh, book that to uh, have Munilinst in it. Or the first anything to have right. Munilinst in it. No reference to Munes, though, I don't think, yeah. anyway. I, um, I like to uh, to retcon some of the characters mentioned uh, into Munes. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Crystal Star. Does he do Close it in Crystal Star? I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah, no, I don't think there's a whole lot else that I've got to say about this. Yeah. Uh, what are we What are we looking at for our rankings there? It's an A for me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it was a good read. Not Not as good as the trilogy, but uh, very good. And the character, the main trilogy characters were used great. Uh, there were some good space battles. Even just like I like that the everything feels much more kind of appropriate size wise. Like a small task force, an assault frigate, and some Nebulon bees. I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Not like what the like the biggest fleet the rebels have is like a dreadnought. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was kind of torn thinking of whether I want to put this on the A or even S. Oh, really? You're almost at S, are you? Uh, I'm in there somewhere because mm-hmm. what do I? We have five S's right now. Each of us, we have. You're, this is going to put you up to 10 A's. I'm at 10 A's. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, 
Hey, if you think it's an S, man. I'm trying to think of, like, what else coming up would be in the running for an S. And kind star of, like, what else star. do we have? Like, Last Command, Heir to the Empire, we both put as S. Mm-hmm. Plagueis, we put as S. Alphabet New Rebellion, and preemptively. Snip, put his S. Yeah, that's not... Lost happening. Stars, maybe an S for me, maybe. S for sexy? Yeah. Okay, they're kids for half of it. Don't be weird. Uh, we're we're very top heavy on these rankings, aren't we? I, mm-hmm. I I think I think A is about right for it. I'm gonna go with A, and maybe once we get to our to our next review episode for those, we'll mm-hmm. I'll see if Do I want to change that around. Some at all. shuffling. Um, I really liked uh, I really liked the it just. Timothy Zahn just makes it feel more like Star Wars. I don't know how he does it. It's just there's something about his writing yeah. that just I don't know. It's just it's, he's just a, it, the writing's just great. Besides for like the things that we joke about, you know, lip cur- lips curling up into smiles, lightsabers snap hissing. Stuff everyone like that. saying point. Yes, like that is a trait that literally everyone gets in a Timothy Zahn book. That in that... whistling, <laughs> low whistling. Ooh. Yeah. Like traitor's gonna be an S. That that I will tell people right now, for me. Mm-hmm. I have not stopped thinking about that book since the last time I read it. So that, that's usually a good sign. There we go. What did I give um, Ronan? Did I give that an S? Ronan. An, uh, we didn't. Give, I think we both gave it an A. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's actually it's marked as zero on the sheet right now. So oh, let's go. But I think that's <laughs> I think that's an A. Yeah. Uh, I think. Seamus or someone else did did correct us when we asked what our ranking for Ronin was, but okay. But yeah, New Rebellion, big time mess coming up. Well, yeah. whenever we get to New Rebellion, because I don't think we're going to be doing that during the. And no. Like we we tried to leave ourselves some stuff to mix in with the earlier stuff after we finished NJO, so Tatooine Ghost, uh, mm-hmm. New Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Bounty Hunter Wars, which probably would have been nice to fit in with Book of Boba Fett if we were good at our jobs, but who gives a yeah, shit? Whatever. Uh, whatever. We can do the Mandalorian armor when we get to the Mandalorian Season 3. Mm-hmm. Or Season 3 Part 2. But <laughs> so you fell on A or you fell on I, I'm going with A for now and then maybe okay. I'll reevaluate. If, if any book we've covered so far is likely to get pushed up to an s for me then Mm. i think this is one of those cusp ones okay so did you have some emails mark that you wanted to read uh my name's Corey. i'm not mark but thank you and fucking guy i'm so sick of it a lot of these are uh A lot of these are Book of Boba Fett questions, but we do have a few about Spectre of the Past. And uh, do we have another one of our famous favorites? We do. We yes. did. Yes. Yep. All right. We we need to make sure that uh, it's not we're not trying too hard on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have to see how that how that one goes. But our first email here comes from Joel who says, Do you guys feel Spectre of the Past is where the whitewashing of the Empire begins, making it feel like the only reason the Empire was bad was because of evil dark side users ruling it, uh, or psycho-politicians like Tarkin being in charge? Also, how do you feel about the Empire and Republic eventually making peace? From an out-of-universe perspective, I have issues with it, since to me, Star Wars is about fighting dictatorships, not appeasing it. It is also where I feel Azan's retconning of Thrawn, being a bit less villainous 
uh, which on a personal level, I don't like preferring the original Thrawn trilogy Thrawn characterization, which continues more in something like Rebels. Anyways, mm-hmm. love the podcast. Gonna miss the Bantam era. Sincerely, Joel. I'm gonna miss the Bantam era as well. Um, again, we do have a few left, but yeah, sad. We And these two are technically Bantam books as well, but yeah, definitely near the end. But yeah, I definitely, this, I was thinking, because I read his email when it came in, and I was trying to think of other books that really present the empire even mildly sympathetic and there's not a whole lot i can think of like you you understand what doll is trying to do but like you never think she's doing it for good reasons or like you yeah. never think like there's no way you can come out of this book realizing that she's or thinking that she's a good person um yeah. i can't think of really any others like sometimes you get individuals um like the uh the captain of the black asp or whatever or the guy who killed the the cap, the fake captain on the uh, Lusankia, but other than that, I can't think of too many. Yeah, like it, it definitely starts going that direction now, and I kind of already talked about it with the, uh, with the stuff about Pelion a few minutes ago, or so. I, I definitely mm-hmm. agree to an extent on on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a question I meant to ask you. What which planet is it in uh, in one of the X-wing books that's like described as like having flowing plains and grass and stuff? Is that Borlias? Is that supposed to be where Luke is going to get his medical treatment? In this? Uh. No, I think where he's going is farther north. Mm, okay. Because it's near Cowron. Which is like super far northeast, almost in the corporate sector. Mm-hmm. Borlaeus is like very core. At that point, you may as well just go to Coruscant. Yeah. So I don't think. I don't think so. Uh, but our next question comes from Christopher, who asks, "In your opinion, who are the best and worst parents within all of Star Wars?" Sincerely, Christopher. P.S. For Valentine's Day, can you do a Tap Cap special episode focusing on the Star Wars Union comics? That'd be fun. The Union ones at some point. Have you ever read those? Uh, I think I have. Yeah. Because it's pretty short, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Maybe between... Maybe after Spectre. Between Spectre and Survivor's Quest. Uh, if we skip out on the... Uh, on the Jedi Prince for a little while again. I know we keep pushing back part two of that, but we've got Vision of the Future coming up on the 17th. Then the third would be Survivor's Quest. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be I'd be down. Um, I'm always I'm always good to throw some comics in. Yeah. So. Yeah, thank you, Christopher and Joel. Yep. Uh, do you have the emails open as well? I do not. I'm trying to get them okay. open, but my computer is not responding. Uh, we do have a question from Lords of Arnor asking if we'd do Slint of the Mind's Eye for the 100th episode. We are going to be sticking... We're going to be trying to do NJO with Vector Prime starting up there. We will get to Splinter at some point. Uh, yeah, we're on a bit of a kind of schedule right now. Otherwise, that would have been a good idea. And I'm sure we'll get to there at some point. Yeah. Again, Matthew Stover, so usually good stuff. Yeah. And uh, um, also, I wanted to point out as well that uh, Daigo's fish 
correctly said it's Noquivzor. That's uh, um, hmm. Savannah's similar to Bothwick. So I remember there's a scene where um, there's a scene where uh, Akbar shows up and he's like, "It sucks here, way yeah. too hot." Yeah, I, was, I was kind of wondering whether that was meant to be the planet there at in this not one. A, not not enough Akbar water pun or no, almost none. Lots Very of tap calf uses, yeah. but it's been a while since we've had a tap calf appearance on tap calf, so mm-hmm. it's good for it's good for the branding that this yeah. happens though. Absolutely. Uh, and then finally, I think for this week, this is the final email that isn't about Bova, which we'll get to next week. Uh, so from Bob, we have, first off, Spectre of the Past is the book that got me into Star Wars books. I'd read the Thrawn trilogy prior to this, uh, but this book got me to jump in head first. My question is, what are some of the best Star Wars Legends comics? I've been wanting to get into comics and just don't know where to start. I feel like you're actually asking the wrong people. Yeah, I mean, we don't I'm have not a big most. comic reader, to be honest. Um, I, I, I liked the Rogue Squadron comics I read. Um, but yeah, I haven't read very... Oh, sorry. I, I think I got Splinter the Mind's Eye mixed up with Shadows of Mindor for a second there. Because I said it was over. Not yeah. yeah. I was like... I, My bad. Yeah, okay. But um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I hear some of the canon comics are good, but I'm just not really a comic guy. Yeah, like the Doctor Afra comics, I've heard good things about the Rogue Squadron comics. If you're into this era, mm-hmm. uh, like into the X-wing books, then Rogue Squadron's a good one to do. Uh, if you like Knights of the Old Republic, there's a lot of uh, Kotor comics about like the Mandalorian Wars. There's also Tales of the Jedi, which is a very different style. Yeah, as I say, Tales of the Jedi is pretty cool. Uh, we both liked Crimson Empire, I think, a fair bit. I uh, I really like the the old Marvel comics. They're very like they're very different and very weird. Um, but they're a lot of fun and they're very easy to read. Um, yeah, they're just, they're just like, basically the way they work is you've got the, the, cause they released in the seventies and the eighties. So you've got the comics with the movies coming out kind of concurrently, like, yeah. or sorry, alongside the movies. And then you've got like stories in between some pretty fun ones. And then you've got a little bit after return of the Jedi as well, which is where like the Nagai stuff comes from. Yeah. So th- those are fun, and there's even if you want to get even weirder, there's the um, there's the uh, the Star Wars newspaper comics, which I've got a few books of at home, um, and those are pretty wacky as well. They're really yeah. fun though. Yeah, like the farther back you go, the more there's going to be disconnects between uh, the stories of what's going on there versus uh, mm-hmm. what's going on now, like or what's going on in the Del Rey or Bantam eras, even. Oh yeah. Uh, like you have the Toph and their pirate ships in space, which we've started doing models of for Thrawn's Revenge. Which is nice, kind of, kind of weird. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it there. There's a lot of different eras, a lot of different uh, styles. So it really just depends on what you're into. There's probably something you'll like out there, but we are a bit less experienced in that. So yeah, yeah. Also, if you read the the Star Wars um, Marvel comics, you'll be prepared for when Lumaya comes. Yeah. So. That's that's uh that's helpful. Very helpful. You always want to be prepared. For I've got a poster in my in my office. I don't know if you can see up there. Hmm. For nice. some reason, they had that at um at like winners or something. I just think because it looked like retro Star Wars, but I thought it was awesome. So I've recently been trying to get as many of the older comic 
compendiums as I can mm. in hard copy. Tales of the Jedi is impossible to get right now. Yeah, Tales like, of the Jedi is hard. Exist. Thankfully, not to not to uh, encourage. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna say it. you can find them all on yeah on comics where you can or on websites where you can read comics. That's all I'll say. Um, it's pretty easy to find. So you're them. saying there's websites where you can read comics online? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Huh, interesting. But I think that is gonna do it for this week's Tap Calf transmissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember next week. Book of Boba Fett. It's chapters six and seven. Yep. So probably more on seven than on six, but there is a lot to talk about from six as well. Yep. Uh, and other than that, get ready with your seven hundred page assignment, eight hundred hmm. page assignment. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Seven. Jeez Louise. Vision of the future. Yep. So two weeks from now, two weeks after that, time. we got Survivor's Quest. Two weeks after that, we got. Vector Prime. We're priming in our vectors right there. Mm-hmm. Have a good night, everyone. Go to youtube.com slash ECKSTOO to watch some Beerio Kart after this. That'll mm-hmm. be starting at, I think, 8.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get drunk and play Mario Kart. Yep. Probably not talk about Star Wars. Hope not. Charlie tries sometimes. But okay, good night, everybody. Bye! <laughs>